Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I am so glad that you have joined us today. If you are a part of our Lighthouse Church family, we would love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Church NC or online at lighthousechurchnc.org. We want to get you plugged into a connect group or on the dream team so that you are doing life together with people just like you. We hope you enjoy today's message and stay tuned for more announcements at the end of our podcast. And the last thing that we're going to talk about today is forgiveness. Do me a favor, look at your neighbor and tell them forgiveness. All right, now open up your Bibles to John chapter 1. I'm sorry, 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. And I want to read uh, uh, some passages of Scripture to you. So if you have your Bible, open that up. We'll also get the Scriptures up on the screen. And it begins at the first verse of 1 John chapter 2. The writer says this, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if you do sin, there is someone to plead for you before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who pleases God completely. He is the sacrifice for our sins. He takes away not only, this, not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Now we're going to go to verse 7. We're going to jump a few verses here. And it reads, Dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment, for it is an old one you have always had, right from the beginning. This is a commandment, to love one another. Is this same message you have heard, yet it is also new. This commandment is true in Christ and is true among you because the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already shining. If anyone says, I am living in the light, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves other Christians is living in the light and does not cause anyone to stumble. Anyone who hates a Christian brother or sister is living and walking in darkness. Such a person is lost, having been blinded by the darkness. Last couple of verses. I am writing to you, my dear children, because your sins have been forgiven because of Jesus. I am writing to you who are mature because you know Christ, the one who is from the beginning. I am writing to you who are young because you have won your battle with Satan. I am writing to you, children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you who are mature because you know Christ, the one who is from the beginning. I have written to you who are young because you are strong with God's word, living in your hearts, and you have won your battle with the enemy. And so today, I want to talk to you on this thought, the flow of forgiveness. The flow of of forgiveness. Would you put your Bibles down and let's just pray one last time together. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for your spirit and your presence that is moving here. Father, you've invaded this house. Your spirit has been moving in our worship service. You've been touching hearts and you've been filling lives. And Father, now I just pray that you would open up every heart and mind to receive your word today. Father, we want all that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands one last time. And you may be seated. The flow of forgiveness. Now, the first thing that I want to do as we begin this service is to show you something that really broke the internet. It was a video that was released and re-released and people were showing it and sharing it. And it's the story of Brent Jean and he is the brother of Botham Jean who was inexplicably murdered by Amber Geiger, a police officer 
in Dallas. And if you've not heard the story, I'll just simply give you the summary of it. But this police officer in Dallas, a, a young lady, white woman, she walked into an apartment that she thought was hers, but it wasn't hers. And she killed a young man that lived in that apartment who was rightfully in his own apartment. And um, it went to trial, and, 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 and she was sentenced. And, and, and I want to show you what happened at the closing moments of that trial. Will we show that video at this time? I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I, see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but... I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I don't know if this is possible, but can can I give her a hug, please? Please. pretty incredible huh I mean this guy had every single reason to hate that woman who killed his brother this guy had every single reason to wish her the worst that life could give her from that point forward and yet he rose above all of that and he said the powerful words I forgive you I forgive you. So what is forgiveness? Let's, let's define that. It is the intentional and voluntary process by which a victim undergoes a change in feelings and attitude regarding an offense. It lets go of negative emotions such as vengeance, recompense, or punishment of the offender. However, legally or morally justified it might be. And that's what forgiveness does. This gentleman had every right in his mind to hate her. But he did something that shocked the world. And he demonstrated the love of Jesus to her, to someone who didn't deserve to receive that love. He chose, this is what I'm going to give her. I'm going to forgive her. I'm going to give her something that, that, that is, I, 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 she's not worthy of receiving. And, and lawfully, she's going to go to prison now. And, and, and where that sentence lands, I'm not even here to talk about. But can I tell you that his actions did something far beyond just breaking the Internet. But did you, for those of you that follow this story closely, you realize that there was no big rioting that happened afterwards. It, it didn't divide a country, although if you look at the sentence, some would say it could have. But that's the power of forgiveness. The power of forgiveness goes against every single thing that the culture would try to tell you about who deserves forgiveness. And it demonstrates everything that Jesus tells us to do when he says to forgive those who hurt you. I want to take you to the scriptures in Colossians chapter 3 verse 13. And I want you to, and I want to read a passage of scripture. The writer Paul says this in the New Living Translation. He says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. 
so you must forgive others. That, that language there, make allowance for each other's faults. It's saying make room for people's faults. And, and how many of you know that eventually you're going to be disappointed by someone in this life? Come on, let's be honest. You can put someone on a pedestal and they will disappoint you. Someone said this, don't meet your heroes in life because they will undoubtedly let you down. And what the writer was saying as he was talking to the church and call us, he was saying to all of them, listen, we're living in community, but we're also living with broken people. And the best thing that you can do is make an allowance for each other's faults. What he was saying practically is expect someone to let you down and in advance of that, already forgive them. Expect someone to disappoint you. And in advance of that, already forgive them. Do y'all know what an allowance is? How many of you got kids that gave out allowances to your kids? And, and, and I like that language there because it, it really sets an expectation of how we should treat someone. That we are ready. We, we, have this, we have this possession that we are ready to give out. We have forgiveness that we are ready to give out when somebody offends us. It's almost like you're carrying cash in your wallet and the cash is forgiveness. The currency of the church is forgiveness. And we've got that ready to give away to the people who offend us. Now, if I could read that same passage of scripture in the message translation, it says, be even tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense, forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. The standard by which we are to forgive other people is the master, which is Jesus. The writer is saying the standard by which we are to forgive someone is, is, is observed through him. The way that he forgave is the way that we should forgive. The way that Jesus forgave others is really the way that we should also forgive others. Let me take you to another passage of Scripture. It's in Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 30. I'm going to stay in the message translation because we've read a couple of passages of Scripture that came from the writer Paul. But I want to read to you Jesus' very own words. This is what he said. He says, to you who are ready for the truth, I say this. Love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time respond with the energies of prayer for that person how many of you actively pray for your enemies come on be honest some of you like i know you're busy praying for your booth thing in your house and the big car and all of that stuff but how many of you actively praying for those that hurt you because jesus says it that way he says respond with the energies of prayer for that person he goes on to say if someone slaps you in the face stand there and take it oh come on now that hurts huh because some of us are always ready to slap back. Some of you are too ready. You're like twitchy. You know, you're like, I wish someone would slap me in the face. I've got this, I've got this pent-up anger that I'm just ready to let it out on someone. But Jesus said, if someone slaps you in the face, stand there and take it. If someone grabs your shirt, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. Oh, come on now. We can drop the mic right here and be like, there's just no way, right? Think about your best coat. You're not giving that to your enemy, are you? But this is what Jesus was challenging us to do. If someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit-for-tat stuff. Live generously. Somebody say generously. 
It's crazy to me that he equates, I'm sorry, that he puts forgiveness and, and generosity in the same breath. And he says, this is what I want you to do. Why does Jesus want us to do that? Jesus didn't make forgiveness an option, but Jesus made forgiveness a way of life. He didn't make forgiveness an option, but he made it a way of life. This was something that he said, I expect this of you. This is something that he taught where he said, this is the life that I have for you. He taught it in such a way that he knew that he was provoking. I mean, he knew that he was going to get a reaction out of people. Because for so long, they had been taught a different mode of forgiveness. That mode of forgiveness was an eye for an eye. You hurt me, I hurt you. And he says, let's get away from the tit-for-tat stuff. And, and all of us know what the tit-for-tat stuff is because it's cultural even today. This wasn't just culture thousands of years ago when Jesus walked the earth and he tried to tell them, I'm calling you to a higher lifestyle. But we see it even today. We've got things and that we say like, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. I'm sorry, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me, Right? We got vindictive language. We say, don't get mad, bro. Get even. We say things like, it's a dog-eat-dog world, and it's survival of the fittest. We live in the culture where we don't give out forgiveness. We live in a culture where we don't want to forgive people. And the reason this thing went so viral, this, this video that I showed you, is culture's looking at this thing wondering, why in the world would he forgive her? But you can see the mark of Jesus all over his life, and he's living by a higher standard. He's living to the standard that God has called us up to. You remember we did a whole sermon series on kingdom culture where the church does not reflect the culture of this world, but we reflect the culture of the kingdom of God where God is in Christ. He is our Lord and our Savior, and he is in control. I had someone, I overheard someone say this of the kingdom of God. What does the kingdom of God look like? The best way to describe it is what would the city of San Marcos look like if Jesus was in charge? How would we treat one another if we knew that Jesus was in charge? How would we love one another if we really understood that Jesus was in charge? So Jesus is countercultural to his day. And when Jesus says these words, when he says, if someone slaps you, I want you to turn the other cheek. If, if, if someone wrongs you, I want you to just, I want you to love them anyway. Jesus does this because he's speaking right to the culture of the world. Because he knows that this sort of thinking only leads to pain. This sort of thinking only leads to brokenness. This sort of thinking only leads to division. Again, I, 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 mentioned, I, I mentioned quickly that because of Brent Jean's actions, because he forgave that woman, there was people that if you rioted, that would be inexplicable because the brother of the man that was killed chose love. And what the world likes to do and, and, and what the media likes to do is tell you how bad everything is and to get you to pick a side. The world wants to get you fighting against one another. They want to pit Democrats against Republicans, conservatives against liberals, white against black, legal against illegal. Pick your side. The world is constantly trying to put you in a side. But the kingdom of God doesn't pick a side. The kingdom of God chooses love and forgiveness each and every time. Every time. 
and the world doesn't know what to do with it. When, when someone who hurts me deeply and I turn around and forgive them and wrap my arms around them, I tell them, love you, the world breaks at that. But that's exactly what Jesus does. And that's exactly the life that Jesus calls us and, and draws us into. They came to Jesus and they said, how many times should we forgive someone who wrongs us? The law says that we can forgive them up to seven times. And what was Jesus' response? Where's all my Sunday school kids in the room? He said, I tell you to take that number and multiply it by 70 and he wasn't giving them a formula for forgiveness what he was doing was give them a standard that you need to forgive them as many times as they offend you there should be no limit to your forgiveness. But you don't know how many times they hurt me, Pastor Josh. Keep on forgiving them. But you don't know how many times I've already forgiven them, Pastor Josh. Keep on forgiving them. The next thing that I want you to write down is Jesus calls us up to a higher standard. And I want to live at that standard. I don't know about you, but, 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 but I want to live at the higher standard that Jesus is calling me into. How many of you want to live at that higher standard that Jesus is calling you into? How many of you know that that's a great standard to live by? How many of you know that, that, that that's the type of standard that loves in such a way that doesn't make sense? Let me think about this for a second. People that were called sinners of their day wanted to be with Jesus. I mean, they were drawn to him. The Bible says he was a friend of sinners. He drew people into him. The people that the religious people cast out. And so the religious people at that time wanted nothing to do with the sinners, and yet they were the ones that were most attracted to Jesus. Again, how many want to live like that? How many want to live to that higher standard? That's the standard that I want to live to. Now, now, if we put the scriptures down for a moment, and because last week we talked about science versus faith, I decided to go and look at some of the science behind forgiveness just because it was still resonating in my spirit. And did you know that if I'm going to put the scriptures down for a second, that there are actual effects on your brain when you don't forgive someone? I don't know if you know that. There is actual effects that will happen to you when you don't forgive someone. The first one is rumination. And what rumination is, is we nurse and rehearse the hurt of what was done to us. And because we nurse and rehearse the pain, it then reinforces our negative emotions. How many of you have ever reinforced something bad that happened to you by reliving the scenario out in your mind when you got home? Maybe you're in bed and you can't go to sleep because you keep thinking about how that conversation went sideways and you start planning what you're going to say next time. I'm going to say this next time and then I'm going to say this and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to shut the door. We rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. That's called rumination. When you're still hurting and you're thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it and so much so that it's keeping you up at night, that's what happens when you don't forgive and let go. You're the one that's affected. Second thing that can happen is diminished memory. Lord help those of you that already have a bad memory in this room. You don't have time to not forgive, okay? Because long periods of stress actually causes your brain to atrophy. I don't know if you know that. Long, okay, periods of stress can actually cause your brain to start to atrophy. If you don't know what atrophy is, it's someone, it's, it's when your muscles, because your brain is a muscle, begin to just get weak and weak and weak and weak and small and small and small because they're not being used. And so when we don't forgive someone, that long period of stress will actually cause your brain to atrophy. Another thing that happens is amplified negative emotions. We become more susceptible to future hurt and pain. You ever met someone that's like always on edge? 
And I mean, like, there's just, like, no grace with them. And, and they're always highly suspect of other people. There's a saying for that. Hurt people hurt people. You see, when you're still hurt and you're still hanging on to that, you start having amplified negative emotions. And because you're hurt, you have a tendency to hurt other people. And my wife and I, we've, we've seen this a lot, in, even in pastoring and working over the years with people because people are broken. But one thing that we've noticed is when someone is hurt, they are more likely to hurt other people. And you need to check your circle in your life. And I'm not saying don't have people in your life that are hurt. I'm just going to say be careful about how much space you give them. Because hurt people will hurt other people. Because amplified negative emotions are there. We become more susceptible to further hurt and pain. And the last thing is something that's really, uh, it's really terrible. It's called Schadenfreude, which is, uh, and what Schadenfreude is, you get to this place where dopamine, y'all know what dopamine is? Okay, we all chemically release in our brain dopamine. Um, this, this, this happens like when you run. Anybody heard of a, t- a phrase called runner's high? So if you start to run, if you're in endurance running, I can talk about this because I'm a runner. And, and what happens is when they talk about a runner's high is because um, the, the dopamine levels in your head and the serotonin start to spike. They start to spike up as you run and, and you get so high, you get so happy. They call it a runner's high. As a matter of fact, I've helped some young people um, with this. Uh, I had a young man come to me, start talking to me about pastor, I'm battling depression. I said, well, what do you do with your life? I kind of got an understanding of what he did. He's like, they're trying to prescribe me pills. I said, come on, I'm going to take you to the runner's store. I took him to the store. I got him fitted for some running shoes. I bought him a pair of running shoes. And I said, you don't need pills. What you need to do is start running. You don't have enough dopamine in your head. And he started running. Sure enough, that fixed it. Mom and dad, free counseling right there, okay? I'm not going to charge you for that. Put them to run, all right? Watch what that does for them. Anyway, dopamine is produced. Now, watch this. Through, through Schadenfreude, dopamine is produced by seeing bad things happen to those we don't forgive. That, that's actually a really sick place to be, if you think about that for a second. You get pleasure watching bad things happen to people. You actually get pleasure out of it. And it's literally the opposite of what Jesus tells you to do. Jesus says, pray for those who have hurt you. And, 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 and when you have been so broken and you cannot forgive other people, you start getting a high watching people hurt. At that point, you need some serious help. But you can get there if you don't start forgiving. You can get there if you don't allow yourself to be the type of person that Jesus is drawing you to, drawing, in, drawing you into this place of forgiveness, getting to this place where you forgive those who have hurt you. You forgive those who have wronged you. So the scriptures teach us to forgive. If I were to just show you some of the psychology and the science behind forgiveness, which I, which I just did, I think we'd all agree that it's better to forgive those who have hurt us. Amen? But what stands in the way? Why don't we forgive people? And, and, and furthermore, why aren't Christians good at forgiving people? I know, really quiet in here. Really, really quiet in here when I say that. Here's, here's, here's why I believe. Here's what I believe stands in the way. We can't give away what we have not received. We can't give away forgiveness if we haven't first received forgiveness. Everybody say received. I'm going to talk about that for a moment. We can't give away something that we have not received. If you've not received forgiveness, then you are not in a position to give forgiveness. 
if you have not received forgiveness, you are not in a position to give away forgiveness. Now, for all of my religious folk in the room, you might think to yourself, what are you talking about, pastor? I know I'm forgiven. I was baptized. I went to the camp. I'm on a team. I give Bible studies. I know that I'm forgiven. Take a look at everything that I do. And that's exactly the problem. You're living like you've earned forgiveness rather than received forgiveness. You're living, yeah, come on. You actually think, and I'm going to hear, now, now, now the pastor's going to come out, all right? This is going to be a little rough right here, but, but I do this because I love you, okay? Um, you walk around actually thinking you've earned forgiveness. You, you walk around thinking that because you grew up in this thing and because you did everything that the church told you to do, that you have earned forgiveness. And, and everyone that has wronged you, they don't, they don't get my forgiveness because they've not had to work for it. And the church will teach a gospel that teaches people that you have to work in order to receive forgiveness. That if you look the part, Jesus is going to forgive you. That if you say the right things, Jesus is going to forgive you. That if you do this and if you do that, put this on, take that off, do this, go here, don't go there. If you live by that sort of life, if you live through that sort of lifestyle, you'll walk around thinking you've actually earned forgiveness. I've earned this thing. And then you think you're Jesus' first cousin walking around. And the thing is, ain't no sinner wants to be with you because you're legalistic. You think you've actually earned forgiveness. That is something that you could only receive. You can only receive forgiveness. You cannot, on your best day, earn forgiveness. And we have this religious mindset, and there's a lot of bad preaching that says, if you do this, 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 and this, then you're going to get God's best. But can I tell you that we've already received God's best because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son? How many know that there's nothing better than Jesus? There's nothing better than Jesus. There's, there's no gift greater than the gift of eternal life that he so freely gave to us. But make no mistake, you didn't earn it. We receive it. Last thing that I want to tell you is when we live from a place of having earned forgiveness, then we expect others to earn our forgiveness. Yeah, let, let that sink in. I'll repeat it for you. When we live from a place of having earned forgiveness, I've earned my forgiveness. I put a smile on Jesus' face. I'm so holy. When we live from a place of having earned forgiveness, we then expect others to earn our forgiveness because you feel like you've earned it. You feel like you worked really hard. You deserve it. I deserve to be forgiven. The problem with that sort of thinking is it doesn't put God in charge. It puts you in charge. And some of you like that. I mean, you're like low key, like, yeah, I like that. You, you like being in charge. But I learned a long time ago that I'm not trying to be in charge. I'm trying to let Jesus be in charge. And I'm going to follow his steps. And I'm going to follow his plan for my life. And so, and I'm coming to a close now. We actually block the flow of forgiveness in our life because we can't give away something that we haven't received. Say that again. We block the flow of forgiveness. There is a, a flow of forgiveness. When I know that, that I can't earn his forgiveness, all I can do is receive his forgiveness. Once I've received that forgiveness and someone has wronged me, I don't make them earn my forgiveness because I can't make them earn something that I was freely given. 
I can't make them earn something that I've received. But as long as you feel like I didn't receive that, but I earned that, then any other person that comes into your life, you feel like they've got to earn it. And you put them through the test and you put them through the ringer and you put expectations on them that they'll never meet. They'll never meet those expectations. And because you've not received it, you block the flow of forgiveness in your life. You block the flow of forgiveness in your life because you feel like I've earned it and therefore they've got to earn it. And some of us live that way. I'll forgive them when they earn it. I'll make up when they earn it. I'll treat them like a brother or sister in Christ when they earn it. Right now, they don't deserve it as if you deserve your forgiveness. As if you deserved the grace of God. As if you deserved Jesus leaving heaven and coming down and dying on a cross. As if we deserve what we were given. We don't deserve any of that. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And so what we should have received was death. But God in his love for us and God in his love towards us gave us something that we could never ever earn even on our best day. Matthew 6, 5 says, your father will not forgive you if you don't forgive others. In other words, there's going to be no flow of forgiveness in your life because if you don't freely forgive other people, how could you expect him to forgive you? And so he's saying, I want there to be a flow of forgiveness, knowing that I've received forgiveness from my father. Therefore, I'm going to forgive those who don't think like me. I'm going to forgive those who don't look like me. I'm going to forgive those who I think need to work a little harder. Now, as a parent, I've seen this happen. How many parents have seen your kids do and treat things differently when they've had to earn it versus when you gave it to them? I mean, I can talk like to just two weeks ago. I got in the car. We're leaving. And my wife looked at me. She's like, why are you so angry? I was upset because my youngest son, Jackson, he had been asking me to buy him a Catmobile. He's all into PJ Masks. Any parents of PJ Masks kids in the room? Come on, don't leave me up here alone. Thank you. All right. Elijah, appreciate it. <laughs> but he had been asking me, Dad, I want a Catmobile. Dad, I want a Catmobile. Dad, I want a Catmobile. So one day I said, all right, take you to get a Catmobile. I'm, I, I, I'm never normally like, not that, Dad. You tell me once, you're going to get it. I, I make him earn it, okay? And so um, he asked me for a Catmobile. Finally got his Catmobile. I think I got it from like on a Thursday. We came to church on Sunday. And then he was so distracted. And I remember telling him, we were, we were doing growth track. I said, Jackson, get your toy. Get your toy. You're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. You're going to get your toy. And then when it's time to go, we couldn't find his toy. It was lost. It was misplaced. And I remember he was like, ah, and he just goes. And, and I got to be honest with you. I just finished preaching, but I was all up in my feelings. That's right. Pastor Josh is confessing right now. I was upset over a little toy. And I was upset because of how he treated the thing that he didn't even have to earn. I gave it to him. And he just didn't take care of it. And I was so mad. And my wife was like, why are you so angry? I was like, because of Jackson. He lost his Catmobile. <laughs> but how many of you have seen your kids when they've had to work for their own stuff? Come on, parents. Some parents of older kids, and you know what I'm talking about. It all changes when they got to pay for it. It's my son Jude's birthday today. He's the one that looks like Miles Morales. So if you see Spider-Man running around, looks like the Miles Morales Spider-Man, say hi. And if you don't know what Miles Morales is, shame on you. You need younger kids in your life. I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, but Jaden yesterday, my wife was out getting some stuff for Jaden. I'm sorry, for Jude's birthday. Said, Mom, I want you to uh, buy a gift for Jude and make it on behalf of me. And I'm like, 
Buy with your own money, because my son's got money, and he's loaded. My son, I know, I know don't, don't look at me that way, okay? Making me feel like a bad parent. But my son's got a lot of money because he's got a very, very generous grandma, and she's here today. Let's get her from my mom. She's very generous. I mean, she'd be like, she just makes it rain like crazy. Um, so anyway, I know he's loaded, and I'm like, well, buy, you buy him a present out of your money if you want it to come from you. I'm like, I'm buying him, not from my money, Dad, from your money. It changes, right? It changes when we, we, we have to earn it. And, and, and as a parent, that's a good thing that we learn, right? As a parent, like, I actually appreciate that. But can I tell you that's not how grace works? Can I tell you that's not how God's love works? You could not earn it. He gives it to you. He gives it away. Grace receives when we didn't earn it and we gave it. And so, and so in response, we give it away so that we can live in freedom. You're the one that hurts the most when you don't forgive that person that wronged you. You're the one that actually suffers when you don't forgive that person that wronged you. You don't get to live in freedom because you're keeping tabs on everyone and what they did to hurt you. And you live this life. It's just, it's so hard to keep up with that. It's so hard when you can't forgive someone. You can't even, you're like, every time your friend invites you to a party and there's another friend that you haven't forgiven yet, you're like, are they going? Yeah, they're going. Then I'm not going. That's a lot of work living like that. I've seen that even in corporate. It's time to go to lunch. Who's going? Oh, so-and-so's going. Ah, I don't like that person. I'm not going to go to lunch. It's a lot of work to live like that. And that's not the freedom that you receive in Christ. If you want to live free, start forgiving every single person that hurts you. If you want to live in true freedom, start loving on every person that's ever wronged you. Don't, don't allow yourself to be wounded by their actions. Don't allow yourself to be wounded by their actions. When we forgive those who did not earn it, listen, we are taking on the very nature of our Heavenly Father. When we forgive those who didn't earn it, we are becoming like Jesus. Because what did Jesus say as they were literally whipping him and beating him and nailing him to a cross? What were his words to his Father? Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. And I believe that someone that hurts us that does not have Christ, we ought to say the same thing. Father, forgive them because they don't have your love in their life. But you who have the love of God in your life, you forgive. You just give away that forgiveness openly, transparently. Give it all away. We give it all away because we have first received from him. Come on, clap your hands all over this place. Now listen, next Sunday is going to be our next baptism Sunday here at Lighthouse. And we've got people that are already making the decision to get baptized. I'm already excited for some of those that have signed up. But I believe there's some more people in this room that you've not yet been baptized because someone put this thought in your mind that you needed to earn it. Someone put this thought in your mind that you could only get baptized after you cleaned up all this stuff. Listen to me. No amount of cleaning is going to make you worthy of the gift of salvation that God just gives away. I'm going to say that one more time. Nothing that you could do could make you clean enough that you don't need God's help. Listen, if you can get good all by yourself, then you wouldn't need God at all. We don't get good to get God. We get God to get good. He's the one that makes us righteous. He's the one that washes our sins away. He's the one that doesn't take a record of our wrongs. He's the one that gives it away. 
And my prayer for you today is that you would consider taking that next step and getting baptized because you realize that I've been forgiven of my father. Because I've been forgiven of my father, I want to live in the freedom that only he can give me. I want to live in that freedom. So right there, right where you're at, can I get every head bowed and every eye closed? And we're just going to pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.